Welcome to Filmstrip, movie reviews presented by Continuous Play Podcast. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. I'm Ron, and I'm the rat soup eating motherfucker that's taking over this show. <laughs> this is our review of Dolomite, you suckers, starring Rudy Ray Moore, Sterville St- Martin, starring <laughs> Lady Reed, a boom mic that's in every shot, and, and the world famous band, Different Bag, and the Revelation Funk. I have all the records. What are you talking about? <laughs> Directed by Derville Martin and released in 1975 on a budget of $100,000, probably pulled together by Rudy Ray Moore himself since he did everything on this friggin' movie. Yeah. Dolomite grossed over $12 million at the box office. Oh, holy cow! And became a worldwide underground phenomenon. You have seen it referenced by ODB. You've seen it referenced by Snoop Dogg. You've seen it referenced on the Boondocks. You've seen it. You've seen it referenced in probably half a dozen episodes of MTV's Cribs. Uh, I mean, and that's not even counting the one-off appearances, cameos, comedy albums, sequels, quasi-sequels, insane clown posse movie appearances, and all the other stuff Rudy Ray Moore did after this movie became a big hit. I mean, this started a revolution. If if Shaft was the godfather of black exploitation action movies, as you claimed last time, then this stop on the comedy train, like, holy cow. I I think I knew of Dolomite, but again, had never seen it. You know, I kind of knew the a bit of the riff of it, but I didn't realize, like, how many times I had seen it and just didn't know that that was what it was. Like... I, th- oh, yeah. I I told you offline. I'm like, yeah, Dave Chappelle needs to resurrect this for his next resurrection of his career because he could totally do it. Because hell, half of what he does is from this. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, Ashley Larry as being like the hamburger pimp. Yes. Uh, well, that whole skit about the uh, uh, the play haters ball. Yeah. That's basically a bunch of people in Dolomite costumes. Exactly. Yeah. Look, there's a whole great episode of South Park where Butters becomes a pimp and goes to a pimp convention. It's all Dolomite riff. Like, and I didn't know that. I was like, man, you talk about the, I mean, we may be actually the two whitest guys to talk about Dolomite, but I don't know. Trey and Matt are pretty close. And <laughs> so, so I, you know, I don't feel bad about this one at all. Uh, then we're going to get into it. Well, um, we're, we're at least, we're at least from a place where people eat greens and, Oh, soul food. Listen, they're I, from Colorado. I, they're yeah, from Colorado. I know. Yeah, they're from Colorado. Like, look, I have documented evidence of a former boss of mine would come and see me when I worked at a different a different county because I liked to go to the soul food restaurant that was about a block from my office, and I was the only white guy that would go there with her. You know, because I love that stuff. I mean, look, my, my dad's country. He grew up cooking country food. His mother cooked, you know, at a bus station for years and stuff like that. My mother knows how to cook. They know how to cook that food. Like, I didn't realize I grew up eating soul food until many years later, but that's just what my parents like to cook and eat. You know, so I, you know, I, I love it, you know, but anyway, uh, that doesn't make me cooler or anything like that. that I feel like I've just said like, Oh, I have black friends, you know, or whatever, but I, I'm not trying to be that way, but I, I didn't know what Dolomite was. You, been i mean we talked about it last show you know you wanted to do this month of uh african-american-led cinema for african-american history month and i was down for that and you know i was like sure let's let's pick some random things and you're like you got to do dolomite and you've like talked about this non-stop like literally folks i would get texts in the middle of the night like have you watched dolomite yet i was like not yet so i was like i'm getting there you know and i was like man this must be like some transcendent film and multiple times throughout watching this i wrote this is like the black after last season but funnier so, because so, there's no plot, the set decorations just as cheap. Uh, but 
And and I also realized this is what I can blame every like Saturday Night Live skit turned into a movie on ever. Like the ladies man, <laughs> the love guru, all of it comes from the idea of let's take some guy's stand up. Superman three also falls into this. Take some guy's stand up and build a movie around it. Cause that's what this is, right? Like Rudy Ray Moore, uh, overheard some conversation, met some dude, whatever, riffed on it, and this became a thing, and that's the inspiration for this whole get-up. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a legendary uh, a legendary story. He basically saw a drunk guy talking about this urban legend called Dolomite, and was like, hey, I could make a whole career out of that. And did. So, I mean, rest in peace, Rudy Ray Moore, who, who passed back in, I think, 08 it was or something like that. But this was his thing. Like, he was Dolomite, you know. And even on his funeral, like, uh, program, <laughs> it was like Rudy Ray Moore, like whatever his real name, Rudy Frank Moore, uh, whatever, um, the mighty Dolomite. And I was like, you really want people to know that at your funeral? I guess so. <laughs> so because that's how it went down in Akron, Ohio, where he passed away. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean at certain points uh, in his career, especially later in his career, like when he shows up in like uh, Big Money Hustlers, he's basically – he's billed as Dolomite. So at a certain yeah. point, it's like – it's like Paul Rubens and, and Pee Wee Herman. It's like yeah. the then you've got Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite. They're basically – that's – the character is them, and they are the character after a certain point. Well, yeah, I mean, they've, they've become so synonymous with it. And I mean, you know, I talked about Chappelle before, too. Like, one of the reasons he walked away from Chappelle's show was he couldn't stand people walking up on the street and going, Rick James, bitch, to him. Like, he just couldn't, like, live with that, you know. And and I understand that. I mean, it gets to be much. Um, I think Eddie Murphy has probably in his later life has accepted that he's the donkey from Shrek and you know, all these other crazy things that he's done. Like he's okay with it. But early on in his life, he hated people doing buckwheat to him, you know, off of, off of Saturday night <laughs> live and stuff like that. Like he would get like pissed about it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that's the thing about this. Like I think of, of, and Eddie Murphy's talked about like Rudy Ray Moore, Dolomite is really like a big inspiration for him. And I, you can see it. Like you can see shades of like Eddie Murphy's stand up in this though. Murphy, it's a little, I mean, he's a little different. He's a little more refined. I think, I think he's a better comedian. And in his early movies in particular, when they just let Eddie Murphy be Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hills Cop and Trading Places and stuff like that, like there was stand up, but there was a, there was like an actual plot that was going on. And then we would just sort of step to the side and let Eddie do stuff. This movie's the reverse of that. It's just do like three of your best riffs, Rudy, and we'll just build a lot of shit around it that doesn't make no sense. And it don't matter. Because the funny thing about this is we just did like the action, you know, hero movie, right? So I feel like this is like the spoof of Shaft, but in L.A. So, of course, it would be in L.A. It's all, you know, sunlight and glamour and just a bunch of you know, mess going on at the same time. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's weird to have a spoof movie of a genre that at this point is only like three years old. And yet here we are. And yeah. here it is. Cause I think that's completely intentional. I think it is Rudy Ray Moore just goofing on this whole genre, but in a totally inept kind of way. The kick of this movie is that, you know, his friend Darvell Martin is directing it and quote starring in it. I laughed at that. Um, in, in your intro there, but I, I mean, I, again, I think my comparison is right. It's, it's the African American after last season. Nobody knows what they're doing and it doesn't really matter because it's all about getting to the central core of it, which for after last season for you who have forgotten was the great animation, which is a big joke in itself. This is built around the three times Rudy Ray Moore gets to do his, his bits. There's one small bit with the hamburger pimp, and then there's the bit in the parking lot with the dudes, and then there's the thing at the club where everything goes down. And that's really kind of the whole movie builds around that. Yeah, and those are really some of the strongest moments of the film, because say what you want to about him, he is a good, like, onstage storyteller. 
Oh, look, it, it's all about being a riffer, you know, and, and people talk about like in, in popular culture and stuff is that Rudy Ray Moore invented the idea of rhythm and poetry and doing this rap and all this stuff. And like, I'm sitting there watching that. And as somebody who, again, grew up when rap became this huge thing on television and stuff with like Run DMC and, and all that and Grandmaster Flash and all that, I remember that stuff. And I'm sitting there watching that, like, I get it. Like, get, they're, they're all kind of riffing off of what Rudy Ray Moore does as Dolomite, you know, in this movie. Cause he, he does the whole bit about the Titanic and then he's got this whole thing about a monkey and I don't know what that was about and, and several other little riffs, but it's all built around the idea of two lines that kind of rhyme and end on a quick punch. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely um, – he would later call himself like the godfather of rap. Uh, prior to this movie and before becoming a comedian, he was a like a singer. Like he did like R&B songs. Wow. <laughs> uh, like he recorded on like five or six different record labels, like real – like federal records, imperial. Uh, he served in the army and he was like an entertaining – in an entertainment union in Germany where he sang country songs, but in R and B style for the troops <laughs> that I would pay to see. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> he like, even before he was in the army, he like was a preacher and he worked in <laughs> nightclubs as a dancer and a singer. Well, he was a uh, set dresser too. Like he does the set decoration <laughs> here. He was, he was like Joel Schumacher. I mean, like he, he could do, he was a renaissance man of, of his time. It really was. I'm not making fun. I, and a I, whole bunch of, yeah. And his, like his albums, like he's got some like ridiculously successful underground albums that like charted on the billboard top 200. Uh, like, and it was basically things he recorded like at his home with his friends and like yeah. musicians playing in the background and he's, doing these rhymes and, and Oh, I mean, well, look, some of the best records ever are the simplest records ever made. I mean, think about young MC's bust a move, which everybody knows that song recorded it in his dorm room with an eight Oh eight and a four track. You know I mean? It was, it was him in between classes doing that. So yeah, I, I love that heritage that, that starts with Rudy Ray Moore that he gets to, I, I think rightfully take credit for a lot of that. I mean, I, you know, normally when people say that stuff, like, oh, I was the original whatever, you know, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, but having seen this now and, and know what, yeah, you know, seen all the things it's referenced in, I'm like, I think it's a pretty fair claim for Rudy Ray Moore to say, yeah, I kind of started all that stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and, and look, I mean, again, we're talking about a different time in America. Black cinema was just coming into its own anyway, right? Where they weren't playing the the side gang member or, you know, the sidekick or Mr. Tibbs, you know, or somebody like that, right? And so to have like leads and stuff and, and to do action movies was one thing. And, you know, we didn't talk about it in Shaft, but there's like there's a lot of times when Shaft's romancing a woman and stuff like that. Now to do comedy, you know, and make it a film uh is the next logical step. And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing how you found this, but I want you to tell me how you came into Dolomite, but like this movie has everything you like in it. It's got stand up, it's got funky music and it's got like ninja stuff. So like, <laughs> this is like Ron's sweet spot in every possible way, except Michael Dudikoff's not in it as the mayor of LA. Oh man. If only we could get the dude. He was probably like 12 when this was made to be fair, but <laughs> anyway, or younger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but anyway, we really like, how did you find Dolomite? Uh, I mostly through friends. I had friends who watched weird movies and like when I was in college, like the, the black dudes in the dorm would talk about Dolomite or would have like it on VHS or something. And like, I would get, I've got exposed to it that way. And then when I, in Louisville, we used to have a great video store called wild and woolly video. And they had a whole Rudy Ray Moore slash Dolomite section with all of the Dolomite oh, wow. movies and all of Rudy Ray Moore's stand up <laughs> specials and, and anything that Rudy Ray Moore was in, like they had it. So I got to, I watched Dolomite that way. 
you know, through how, how is there not a Netflix like, channel for this yet? I mean, they have everything else. So I, I don't know, but that's a great question. British sci-fi starring women who've won Oscars. I mean, that's an actual channel <laughs> on, on uh, they Netflix. Just need to have a category that's Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just Rudy Ray Moore. And it could be all of this and then like everything he inspired, like Soul Plane, you know, and uh don't don't be a menace while drinking your juice in South Central, all the Wayans Brothers movies, you know, all that stuff. Oh, like half of half of the things Snoop Dogg has done over his career every been because of Dolomite. Every season of early, like in Living Color and Mad TV, you know, is is just Rudy Ray Moore's grandchildren of comedy, basically. Yeah, I mean, essentially, which is weird to say because mm-hmm. this movie is ridiculous. Oh, this, oh this, look, I'm just going to put it out there right now. This movie doesn't make any damn sense. It's terrible as a film, but it has a lasting legacy, and I think that's what we're here to talk about is how how in the world can something as nonsensical and as badly put together? I mean, look, I just compared it to what I consider to be the worst film ever made after last season. How can how can it have a legacy? And yet, when I say after last season, nobody knows what I'm talking about. So, Ron, <laughs> d- tell tell folks who may not know the actual story, the true story, what's Dolomite all about? Well, now you can tell people that after last season is the white Dolomite, and they might get it. <laughs> You know what? I I think I should try that and uh, see if I can get those guys to actually admit who they really are in life. I'll try that. So, <laughs> Twitter, here right. I come. <laughs> so, all right. Dolomite. Dolomite is a street legend, a pimp of pimps, and he's back. The man and his arch rival, Willie Green, conspired to put Dolomite in jail on some trumped up drug charges. But as, but as it turns out, the man has a use for the untamable Toastmaster himself. Dolomite is freed from prison by a madam named Queen Bee, but only on one condition. Dolomite has to help bring Willie Green to justice. But it's not about justice so much as it is about revenge on Willie Green. Green took his club the experience, he took his favorite hoe, and he's taken Dolomite's position as king of the streets. And if Dolomite reclaiming his place on the Mount Rushmore of pimps helps the FBI, then that's just a pleasant side effect. Oh, oh man, you guys thought the FBI was colluding with other people back in the day. Let me just tell you. <laughs> yeah, before before this before, before the, the CIA was putting crack in the ghettos, the FBI <laughs> was unleashing dolomite on the world. Hey, before the steel dossier, there was dolomite. <laughs> <laughs> Along the way, dolomite takes down Willie Green, brings about the downfall of a corrupt mayor, gets a mafia kingpin killed. It unleashes an army of kung fu bitches on the streets of seedy Los Angeles, <laughs> alongside a whole host of colorful characters like Joe Blow, the Lover Man, Hamburger Pimp, an omnipresent boom mic, and Reverend Gibbs, the black separatist preacher who sells guns to the community. Also, somewhere along the way, Dolomite's nephew, Little Jimmy, is murdered. But if you think any of that actually matters, then you're fooling yourself, you signifying rat soup eating monkey. <laughs> This is wholly a showcase for Rudy Ray Moore to dust off his best stand-up routines, tell some insane stories, romance a bunch of women despite being a paunchy middle-aged dude, and wear some of the best worst clothes ever made. <laughs> All signified by a different band of the Revolution Funk band playing behind him. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. Yeah, you're there is no plot <laughs> to this movie. It's something about your nephew got murdered, and that cutscene is hilarious. And Willie Green's behind it, and the white man needs you to take down Willie Green, and you want to take down Willie Green, but really we just want you to get on the streets and do some stand-up and wear some really awful clothing. <laughs> and, and that's what we're going to do. And I I mean, I I love, I mean, the opening of this starts like it's a Shaft sequel. It's jail. It's serious, you know. He refuses the cigarette from the warden, and then they do that cut scene where little Jimmy's murdered on the streets, and I'm like rolling in the floor. I'm like, oh, I get it. This is all a big joke, and I mean, I mean, twelve million dollars off of a hundred grand. Holy cow! I mean, that is amazing. But I'm gonna tell you, unlike Shaft, that only had five hundred thousand dollars, and we talked about every frame as a tapestry of greatness. Every frame of this looks like you shot it on your grandfather's video camera. It is awful. I mean, yeah, it looks movie- like it was shot in in Super Sixteen. And. No one in this movie can act. No one. Rudy Ray Moore? No, Rudy Ray Moore can do stand-up. But when he's asked to deliver lines, like, 
Queen B, you know I've got to go back to the street and do my blah, 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 blah. I'm like, he's reading that off a card. (laughs) You can tell. Like, it's bad. But at some point, the badness of it wins you over watching it. Like, I'm not going to lie. The first 20 minutes since, I was like, I don't know if I can get through this. You know? (laughs) This is going to be tough. And then I realized, I was like, I think the charm in this is that it's so awful. And you can't believe it made $12 million. And I, I have to hold on to that. For the, I mean, this this movie's eighty eight minutes. It's every bit of it. I'll tell you. Yeah, definitely. Now, if you were doing a Mount Rushmore of bad movies, would you put uh, like would it be Ed Wood, Tommy Wiseau, Rudy Ray Moore, and uh, whatever sentient computer is responsible for After Last <laughs> I Season? Put, I put the computer chip from After Last Season on there. Uh, yeah, probably so. Um, you know, I actually, I'm one of those weird people that thinks Ed Wood's not that awful. I mean, it's awful, but it's, I don't, I think it's gotten this reputation of being so grand. Like to me, the room, like, and now especially that it's had a movie made about itself, that's like the ultimate stamp of approval. That's the George Washingtoning of bad, uh, movie, Mount Rushmore. Dolomite's gotta be right there behind it though. Like really, it, oh, it, yeah. it does. It, and it, you gotta have that sideways, one of the sideways pimp hats, probably the white one. Because it looks really good against Rudy Ray Moore and just that cool look he's got on his face, um, which also looks like I, I've just had a very satisfying trip to the bathroom. <laughs> it's just kind of how he looked. I mean, it's just like yeah, you know. And uh, it's I, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I think I, I emailed you at one point or texted you during this. I was like, I laughed at a lot of this, and I wonder if I should feel bad for laughing at it. <laughs> Um, because I'm probably not supposed to, but I just did because some of this is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the Kung Fu hose, the, the, the outfits, which are part of the time I get it, but they're also accentuated to be ridiculous. Yeah. These aren't part of the time. This is like part of the time turned up to like 11. Oh yeah. This is like, yeah. Reasonable seventies clothes turned up to their illogical, extreme what's funny to me is that the poster for this movie looks like reverend run on the front of it that doesn't look like rudy ray moore <laughs> and i was like is run trying to rev run trying to be dolomite and maybe he is i've, I've just put that together but it looks like rev run on the front <laughs> i mean he does have like uh three stripes on his shoes so maybe those are like proto adidas maybe so that could be it but the other thing that gets me man is the fight scenes in this movie are (laughs) are awesome in how bad they are like we did all the american ninja movies and those movies are bad but one thing i'll say is that the fight scenes look cool we did all the ninja series movies the end of last year and those movies look awesome because show kazugi's the man right oh yeah This is like you and a bunch of your drunk friends trying to be like a ninja movie or or Bruce Lee movie or something, which is hilarious because the moves are like super slowed down, not by the film, but just by the people, you know? And well, you know, if they, if somebody had accidentally like kicked Rudy Ray Moore in the face, they would have to shut down production. <laughs> I mean, for weeks, right? You could kick him in the chest because he could probably absorb it. Because the man is, I mean, I'm a big dude, so I can say this. Like, uh, yeah, me and Rudy got that in common, you know? So I, I can absorb blows to the midsection. <laughs> well, I just meant, I just meant the fact that like he's the only person who's on camera the entire movie. Oh, but yeah. Well, I mean, if he got hurt, like that would have been it. Also, nobody could address the set. He was the producer. He was probably calling people to shake him down for money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you, I know you, uh, you talked about the ever present boom, Mike, and I told you about that. Apparently that that's just part of the transfer that they did that, it was too wide and they've gone back and fixed it, but then people complained. And so they did a Blu-ray re-release that has a version called the boom mic version on it. Where it's, just, it's always there. <laughs> I, I watched, I watched the boom mic cut, uh, on the DVD that I got from Netflix. Oh, wow. So yes. Yeah. That's well, what I saw. I, I wanted to make sure that the, I, I got the real experience, which was the boom mic in every shot. Because oh, they screwed up the transfer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, they screwed up the transfer also because the boom operator didn't know what she was doing. So and just and was probably like, I'm making twenty five dollars for this. I just want to get it over with. Do you know how long it took him to shoot this? I can't think it was more than a week. I have no idea. That's I mean, a great question. I mean, it all looks but, like it's done between the same three buildings in LA, you know, and and the one back road that they found where they could shoot guns. 
Yeah, which is probably just uh, up in the Hollywood Hills. I was uh, yeah, it's probably off of Ventura or something. So. And they just did it without any permission. Yeah. Oh, I have no doubt there were no permits granted for this film. So, which you know, Hollywood only got serious. L.A. got serious about that in the '80s, man. Before they didn't care. Like th- this is before that became a thing, too, right? Like we talked about how you know Shaft took New York and particularly Harlem. And really kind of gave you like a real look at it so you could really see it as a character. This movie's set in California, but they don't really care where. Like, there ain't no places you ever gonna come to, honky, so don't worry about it. I mean, that's really kind of the idea. And it probably was like, can I shoot outside your Washington today? Yeah, man, whatever. All right. So, and that, that was it. So. Uh, on the, on the DVD, there is a fun behind the scenes thing of then and now where you can see what it looked like during the filming. Of Dolomite, and then they cut to what it looks like now, I and like that car wash is still there, and it I, still looks like that. That's amazing and sad all in the same light. So, <laughs> because this movie's forty three years old now, so yeah, um, I, I mean, wow. I, again, there's no plot, so there's no reason to really walk through it. I guess we just talk about the different pieces we like. But Dolomite, like again, is. He's this combination again of like the coolest club owner ever. He's bad like Shaft, uh, but he's also like slick like Bruce Lee or something. Like I don't I, I don't know what drunken person Rudy Ray Moore supposedly ripped off for this, but I feel like he just sort of took the the legend and then built it from from the air. Oh yeah, he he took the name I think and then basically invented the rest of the stuff. Now. Do I know that's true? No. Would I believe anything Rudy Ray Moore has said in interviews about the origin of Dolomite? Also, no. No. <laughs> because there's, uh, this was the kind of guy who, uh, from all accounts, was less interested in the truth and more interested in telling you the best possible story. Well, yeah. I mean, because he's a storyteller. I mean, you said it. The best comedians are storytellers. They get you wrapped up in something, they get you going, and then they drop it on you. You know, which, I mean, Chris Rock is one of my favorite comedians of all time because he is he's one of the best at really just reeling you in into this, you know, huge story and the wheels are spinning and then boom, he just, you know, he pulls the, the joke grenade on you and it works great. Murphy did that. Um, you know, all these guys do that. And, and it's, you know, uh, we talked about Chappelle, he does it. Um, I mean, that's, I mean, even look on the other side of the aisle too, Bill Ingvall and Jeff Foxworthy just tell stories about their house and kids and they make them funny. Like they, they figure out where the punchline is and they pull the rug out. And that's, that's what these things all work as. The problem with that, when you try to make it stretch for a, for a 90 minute feature is that you're always either just rushing to the next stand up routine And when you realize that the the stuff in between doesn't even matter, like you can just get up, walk around, clean the house until you see Rudy Ray Moore step center frame. And it's like, oh, he's about to riff again. And then you get the five minutes stand up. This this movie to me is kind of like a little bit like UHF in a weird way in that it functions. It functions best in like it's a it's not a movie. It's more of a collection of clips of things. It's, like it's, it's like you could cut this movie into pieces in like two, three, five minute chunks and put it up on YouTube and it's just as entertaining. Oh, I the the best chunks of this movie are on YouTube, I'm gonna tell you. Like you can just go and find them and then you get you get the thing, because again, there's no story that you're missing. Like if you go to YouTube and you try to watch clips of Shaft, like you see it, but you don't really get what that movie was about. Uh, and maybe compare this to something more comparable to it. Like if you take a Dave Chappelle movie like Half Baked, you know, like you can see clips of that on YouTube. But I'll tell you now, the whole experience of that is what's funny about it. Um, or a movie like Trading Places. You can watch Eddie doing his riff on Pork Bellies and, you know, how you guys are a couple of bookies and all that kind of stuff. But you don't really get what that movie's about unless you watch the whole thing. Even up to the gorilla scene. Yes, even those dumb things with Paul Gleason. But it, it it works as a, as an entire theme. This movie is best served in clips. And it's also the failing of this is that it seems like skits sort of strung together with less interesting skits in between. Uh, it's like, um, it, it's kind of like a Saturday night live episode. You know, if you watch a full 90 minutes of SNL, 
Um, you know, you're either waiting around for the musical guests to show up and show you how bad they sound live because that studio is terrible uh, for live sound or, uh, or lip sync in Ashley Simpson's case. Um, or you're just there for like the time when Dennis Miller would come on or when Will Ferrell would come on or Keenan, you know, Thompson comes on or whoever you really follow on SNL. It's like there's good skits and then in between is just a lot of filler. Yeah. And I think that was part of the, that's part of the problem of the movie is that there is a lot of filler. Um, to tr- I, I think essentially to try to, it's almost like they shot all the good stuff. And they were like, Oh, this is only 50 minutes long. We need to add some more to it. And then they went back and shot some other stuff that, that is not as good. Yeah. I mean, and there's some of it supposed to like tell the story of it or whatever. Cause like in between the Rudy Ray Moore standup is the story of the movie. But at no time do I really care what Willie Green's whole antagonist point is. It's just that he moved in on the territory and ran Dolomite up on some fake ass charges and, and Dolomite's back. And well, that's it, you know, and you have this whole scene where Dolomite goes to the club and shy, which is short for Chicago. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know, Ron brings him a key so he can go <laughs> dig up the carpet and throw some money on the ground and then beat some dudes up. And I like, apparently he pays off because <laughs> he tells Queen B at the karate dojo, which is apparently is next to the Cobra Kai dojo. Um, <laughs> when, I mean, really, yeah, tell me you didn't want the Dolomite girls to go up against the Cobra Kai. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have watched that, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, you got to watch that Johnny sweeping that leg, though, Shy, because he's good at it. But anyway, um, <laughs> he's standing there in that two shot, and he's just staring off into the distance. And forever, I was like, why is Rudy Ray Moore always staring off in the distance? Then I realized, oh, he's reading the cue card. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that's right. It's SNL. He's reading the cue card. And and he's giving this whole, I paid off all my debts to Willie Green, but it don't matter none because the experience is mine or, or whatever. And then they're at the bar where she's like doing handmade invitations to the greatest party this town's ever seen. And I'm like, who are they like going to, are those going to get there in time? If you mail them, <laughs> like how fast does this turn around? Maybe it was a, uh, the postal service was probably better back in the seventies because there were more employees. Maybe it was, maybe that was it. They, they move faster than they do today. I don't know. You know, if they had Amazon, it'd just be instant. Right. But whatever. Um, <laughs> but then people would just be clubbing on Skype. They wouldn't actually go to the club. Um, but, um, and I mean, we have all of that. The whole setup is Rudy Ray Moore puts on a great show. So Willie Green can come watch him. And then like a gunfight ensues. And then he rips out Rudy Ray Moore. Uh, Rudy Ray Moore rips out Willie Green's guts before the, the FBI man shoots him because we're set up by the warden that there's one man working for the FBI that won't reveal himself until it's necessary. And he reveals himself in the second act. <laughs> so you just wait for that guy to show up. And he looks like Grady from Sanford and Son. I don't know who that dude is, but he looks just like him. <laughs> That's it. I was sitting there trying to figure out who that guy looked like, and you just nailed it. So he's, thank I'm you. telling you, he's Grady. <laughs> so, I mean, he looks just like Grady. Come on, Fred, let me shoot this guy for you. And, I mean, that's what he does. So Because he shows up <laughs> for that, and then for the hospital shootout at the end with the two whitest FBI guys ever, uh, one of which is named John Kerry, which I did chuckle at. <laughs> because, because he flip flopped sides so much, I was like, "Oh, that's that's so prophetic and weird." So <laughs> I mean, it's kind of scary. So, but yeah, Blake Blakely is the is the FBI agent who lurks in the shadows, as Wikipedia wants to tell me. I'm like, he didn't lurk in the shadows as much as he stands off frame and then walks onto frame. So uh, you talked about how like the setups were done in Shaft, right? The Gordon Parks like had this these three characters sitting together. All of this is built around everybody stand near the boom mic. Basically, yeah, I think you nailed it exactly right. Um, and it's it's funny how how much did you like how much did you watch the credits? I, I watched till the bitter end. So okay, so you saw the thank you to the Chuck Norris Karate School. Yes, is that no? There, yes, I totally forgot about that. That's awesome. <laughs> and how Hamburger Pimp goes to Fat Burger, and it's still Fat Burger. That yeah, that that's awesome. So, I, you know what I didn't realize was how much Dervell Martin had done. You know, I thought like this was one of Rudy's friends, and then that was it. You know, no, he was in a ton of stuff, man. 
Yeah, he's like a legitimate actor. Yeah. I mean, kind of. As much as anyone involved in this movie can be called a legitimate say, anything. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Peggy, what's her name from after last season, was in that, you know, one of those CSIs where she got murdered or SVUs or criminal minds or what the hell ever. So, yeah, that, that works, right? So, But, I mean, this is a guy that was in, like, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and, you know, Rosemary's Baby. And I'm like, man, this is like a real actor, you know? And, I mean, he died in 1984, very young. So... Uh, which is kind of sad, but I mean, he had a pretty big filmography uh, working right up until the time he died. Yeah. Uh, he was on the man from uncle a couple of times, uh, all in the family. See? He was one of the Lionel Jeffersons. Oh, that's right. Oh, see, I knew I knew the face uh, from somewhere. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I would have thought again, like this is just one of Rudy's friends or whatever, but no, he actually knew what he was doing. <laughs> Which also means like the budget really hampered this because that means that most of that money went to something not on the screen. <laughs> you know, like that is clear because this is not a competently made film at all. And it's, and it's, well, he, he knows what he's doing like as an actor. I don't know if he knows what he's doing as a director. And you could put Martin Scorsese with this crew and you wouldn't get a watchable. Like you wouldn't get a like a solid result. Boy, you know how art house douchebaggery that movie would look. Oh, it makes me sick just to <laughs> think about. Ugh. So, I mean, there, there would be long lingering shots in red light of Dolomite getting dressed and you know, stuff, stuff <laughs> like that. And but probably about as much use of the f word, maybe more in a Scorsese flick. I'm not sure. So, yeah, there's definitely that. There's yeah. definitely that. Yeah, they have their their kindred in that way, right? So, I man, what did you make of Reverend Gibbs, the uh, se- the separatist, uh, feather duster waving, crazy preacher person? I laughed quite a bit at, at that guy. Mostly his facial expressions. <laughs> yes, he, he had some great weird faces that he was making, like when he was like acting. I, I'm going to tell you, like, I, I sort of, I don't know that it's true, but I was like, is this guy's acting secret or whatever that he's like high on PCP right now? Because that's what he's, he's like, everything is coming out in extreme exaggeration, including his eyes and his face and everything. Uh, yeah, he's like bugging his eyes out. And- yeah, but, but he has like this other side too, where like he, you know, he runs the woman out of his bed when the, the fibbies come to see him. And, uh, and he's all like, Oh, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, sir. Like he could be so like down to mirror. And I'm like, Oh, so you're like the black Alex Jones. It's just an act, right? <laughs> you know, and I mean, really, like that's what's happening here. I mean, that, you know, uh, that's a great pull, by the I way. I mean, really, it, I mean, that's what it is, right? It's the other side of that coin. So we don't need the whitey for nothing and all this. Stuff. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm listening to this guy's. I think it's funny. The FBI agent says, you've been up here talking about how bad we are for 20 minutes. I can interrupt your sermon. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, well, oh, OK, at least, the, you know, the FBI guy pulls it out, talks about it. So, But he's also like. That what we learn is that there's a mayor who's uh, is well respected by the black community, right? But he ends up like choking a woman he's in bed with. What the hell was that all about? That was really weird and out of place. She tried to oh. she tried to kill him. She was a plant. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. All I remember was I was scarred by the old white man butt that was in the frame the whole time. And I was like, yeah. oh, put that away. <laughs> so. I mean, that was that was about as bad as. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we get some of that, too. Um, There's lots of female nudity. I was amazed by the amount of male nudity in this. I was like, man, I I guess the 70s were a freer time. So, um, Because I can only imagine, like, if you tried to put this out in 1985, what would have happened? (laughs) You know, like, X, no, can't be seen by anyone ever. Um, (laughs) They just didn't have any money for, like, the flesh-colored underwear. Do you think the, I mean, like, the MPAA stamps on this, do you think any of them actually watched it? I just, I think they probably not. <laughs> so, um, probably not, no. I mean, uh, yeah, I, in fact, I'm not so sure Darrell, Darrell Martin didn't turn something else in, get the, the, t- the title slide and throw it on the front of this and just be done with it. Because again, I'm sure no one thought this was going to do anything. So who cares? When it made $12 million, they were all like, oh crap, you know. But un- unlike Shaft, where I wasn't aware of the sequels, I knew there were sequels to this. You tell me there's, like, insane clown posse involving sequels? Yeah. Uh, 
look at Rudy Ray Moore's filmography sometime. Uh, and just like check it out because, uh, I mean, he was doing Dolomite movies up until like 2002. Well, I had seen him in one other thing called Disco Godfather. Disco Godfather. Put your weight on it, Jay. Put your weight on it. Put your weight on it. So I knew that movie. And it was one of I would. Yeah. We'd, in that case, we definitely need to do Human Tornado, which I think is just as insane as this movie. Maybe for 2009's February, 2019's February, we can come back to Human Tornado and Disco Godfather. Because uh, so, by then Black Panther two will be out, so um, oh yeah, or something like that, or you know he'll be in another one, or whatever. We could we could tie it around something else. But yeah, I'd seen him in something else. I mean, I'd seen him in something, and so when I realized, I was like, oh yeah, Disco Godfather. But I didn't realize that like there were all these Dolomite, like Shaolin Dolomite. I can yeah, only big, imagine what that is. Yeah, he he's in Big Money Hustlers. Uh, he's in something else is like the Ghost of Dol. Oh, uh, Shaolin Dolomite. I think he's the the no, he's the ghost of Dolomite in Big Money Hustlers. I think. <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, that's awesome. So, um, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I'm just looking at the front, like the the um, front of Big Money Hustlers, where you've got pineapples cleverly disguising a lot of weed leaves. So, starting the insane clown posse. So, there we go. That's where ICP comes into the into the thing. Um, I hope we never have to talk about them again. But, uh, yeah, this movie obviously spawned a lot of things. I guess we need to talk about the big action scene at the end. Not the very end of the hospital, because that one's kind of stupid, but the one in the club that goes down. Because I, I think the best fight is, and I think it's George, uh, Chicago. This, I almost called her Georgia. Chicago does it, where she flips the guy over and looks like pulls out a straight razor and cuts him to pieces, but we don't see any of it. Yeah. yeah that, there's no money for blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they used all their blood money already. <laughs> so yeah, that is uh, that is one of the that whole scene in the club is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it's just so ridiculous, uh, and it's also basically where ODB got the video for Gotcha Money. He just took that whole sequence. Yes, and just had his face superimposed on one of the characters, and then you have Dolomite rip out Willie Green's heart, but out of his stomach, which is you know again. <laughs> We obviously we're hey man, it don't matter, whatever. So you know, I, I can imagine that. But then like he's got this bloody hand and he's he's like, I need to put this all over my white shirt now so I can show how bloody I am. And I was like, Whoa, what why is that happening? It's very strange. So, well, you gotta get your most use out of that blood. I mean, you can't put it back in the, the ketchup bottle. I mean, yeah, really. I mean they they did ruin a good gallon of uh Heinz fifty seven there. Uh, to get that done before Blakely shows up and just shoots <laughs> shoots Willie Green not once but twice. I'm like, man, just once in the head's all it takes. <laughs> like, you got to gun him twice. <laughs> but uh, or maybe they shot it twice and just left it in. I don't know. I mean, as incompetent as this movie is, I believe anything at this point. Uh, but I love how he's like, well, see, it's on me now, and not you, Dolomite. I'm like, I don't think they're gonna believe the 357 ripped the guy's heart out. You know, like, like that gun will do a lot of things. I own one. I've, you know, I've seen what it'll do to targets and watermelons and whatnot. But I'm pretty sure it won't like remove organs in a way that they came out the front when you shot him from the front. Like, or you know what? But this is before like forensics. It's before OJ, so forensics in LA didn't exist, right? Well, I mean, he's an FBI agent. He can kill pretty much whoever he wants. Yeah, I, true, and write a dossier about it. So it's just you know everybody will believe it. So we just we just go on with it. Um, I, I was sad that the creeper got gunned down early in the movie. The hamburger pimp that you mentioned, he he you know he shoots up with heroin, which I was like, this is kind of a dark scene for this comedy movie. And you got Dolomite going like, man, you got to get off that smack. You got to and he's slapping him around. He's like, tell me, well, you know who killed my nephew or whatever, and he tells him, and then like random people run in the room to shoot him. I'm like. Were they standing outside with a cup to the door going like, if he gives it up, we'll kill him? <laughs> That's, I have no idea. I, I think that they just needed, they felt like it had been too long since someone had been killed. So, yeah. so unfortunately, poor uh, Hamburger Pimp is the guy who gets shot. And apparently that is somebody they like just found on the street. Like they were looking for somebody, couldn't find an actor from any of Jerry Jones, the scriptwriters, acting classes or whatever. And riding around South Central, they, like Rudy Ray Moore and him ran on the came upon this guy and was like, "Yes, you exactly," and they just got him to do it. So, I mean, which do yeah. you think he, how? 
Like, what is this the sweet spot for getting a guy that messed up to deliver dialogue? I can like, only imagine. Like, do you really? have to do you have to shoot him up and wait, or do you have to like wait until he starts to come down? Well, I'm glad you said it because I was going to ask you how high was this dude like on actual heroin when they shot his scenes? Because holy cow, man! I mean, it might not have been heroin; it could have been any number of things. But he was, yeah, he's he's definitely messed up. Even if it's just you know on a bottle of gin, yeah, something. Although man. it doesn't seem like drunk, it seems like high, like <laughs> yeah. high. Yeah, like he's coming down off of it, man. Like he's yeah, it's very straight. Look, people people get acting gigs for lots of weird things. David Boreanaz was walking his dog and squinting in the sun, and some agent said, "Man, that guy looks good and brooding. He could be a vampire." And next thing you know, he's a SWAT leader. 20 years later. So, I mean, people get acting gigs for lots of strange reasons. Um, I just, you know, uh, I found the that only, one amusing. Uh, I don't think this guy went on to do anything else, though, right? Is he still alive? He, still with uh, us? No, he died at age 65. Uh, he is long dead. <laughs> what? And he, this he is made his it, only movie. He made it to 65, Ron. That's the news I didn't expect to hear. <laughs> I know, right? I, I hope he got clean and had a good later life. Good for him. <laughs> I, I could not literally tell you anything about Vanius Rackstraw's life other than except that that's his name and it's great yeah other than you know like people revere him <laughs> in a circle and comedy movies and fans of this movie in particular like people love this guy he's he's the danny uh, uh or the denny of of this from the room that's he's, <laughs> that's what he's the black denny so he's the proto denny since he was first so <laughs> said tell me you won't watch the room next time and not think about this dude now <laughs> so now I'm just thinking of Denny trying try to, like, scam a hamburger. <laughs> no, no. Can you imagine this dude rolling into Dolomite's crib when he's, you know, uh, having sex with that woman? And like, can I watch Dolomite? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but I could see him rolling in and asking for five dollars. Yeah, that that true. Yeah, or or rolling into Minister Society and getting shot by Lorenz State for the same thing. So I mean, it's the it's the same dude. So, um, and people who know that movie know what I'm talking about. And by the way, Minister Society far superior to Boys to Men. Come at me, John Singleton. I got something for you. But but anyway, <laughs> Hughes brothers all the way. Well, I think we're at the point of the podcast where it's time to, and I don't know how you're going to do this. Give recommendations and popcorn ratings for Dolomite Sucker. So, what do you got? Oh man, uh, I'll I will give it a. Uh, oh, it's really hard to to give it a popcorn rating. Uh, so, I'm not going to give it a popcorn rating. I'm going to give it a bowl of rat soup rating, <laughs> and I'm going to give it a. Uh, I'm going to give it a. A large bowl of rat soup because it's insane. Um, it's it's not a good movie, but it certainly is a movie. <laughs> like it's definitely an entertaining thing, and it's the kind of thing that I think should be seen. Ideally, by someone saying, "Oh, you haven't seen Dolomite, man. You gotta all right, watch this," and then putting it on without any kind of warning if you haven't seen Dolomite. And I can't imagine at this point how people could not have seen it. It is such a pop culture phenomenon. I mean, it does have a lot of points where it kind of where it drags or where it's not good, but there are such ridiculous heights that I think it makes it worth checking out. Uh, large might be too strong. It might be like a medium uh, rat soup with extra rat. <laughs> well, I'm going to stick to the format. Um, and, and this is small popcorn territory, but like not in a bad way. Like they, sometimes just a little bit, like, you know, you, somebody pops some in the, in the office and you're like, Hmm. And they like offer you a handful of it. Yeah. I think this movie works in the handful size. Like you don't need to watch the whole thing. Like when it starts to drag, like get up and do something else. And then when you hear Rude Ray Moore start talking again uh, about something besides, you know, laying with a woman in bed, go back and watch. Cause then it's funny and watch that last like 10 minutes. With the yeah, watch the, like the last reel. Yeah, uh, uh, it's it's the kind of thing that's good to put on like at a party. Exactly. Yeah, and I will say this: I watched this by myself 
to you for this review. And I'm like, this would have been a lot better if I was in a room full of people in the mood for like getting a good laugh, you know, or whatever. Like I could see this becoming part of like a bad movie club or something like that. So definitely small popcorn for sure, but definitely enjoyable and funny. And, and again, I can give it enough of a pass to say, if you're not aware of it, you should see it because so many things you do like, particularly from like black comedy come from this. Like, and not only just black comedy, but like music and culture and everything. You can see so much pop culture in this, in this movie. And I'm, I'm kind of blown away by how big this really is and how much it influences, but I can see it. And, you know, there's always got to be a start somewhere. And this is the start for a lot of that. So we're staying with the comedy train next time, though, Ron. We're going to do Black Dynamite, which you tell me is a spoof of all this kind of stuff. Yes, it is. Uh, a spoof of basically the entire black exploitation genre, plus a little kung fu, plus uh, some political intrigue. Uh, so I'm. It's really is a, a great movie. Wait a minute, uh, you you told me this was a was a spoof movie. Now it sounds like a Jack Ryan movie, so, <laughs> or something. If if Jack Ryan like. Was a paid people if Jack Ryan paid people to come over and like have kung fu fights with him, <laughs> and then got mad when someone called on the phone to interrupt his kung fu, then yes, you know there's a world where that could exist. <laughs> so, but uh, we're not in it just yet. So, well, I'm looking forward to that one. I have no knowledge of Black Dynamite at all. I just know who's in it. I know Michael J. White, and and I know what he's from, and so I'm curious to see it. And then a couple of weeks we got Black Panther coming up, which. Again, early, you know, critical response and early ticket sales. This thing looks like it's going to be one of the biggest movies of the spring. Yeah, it's uh, I'm excited about it. And I think everybody is because it's it's going to be a Marvel movie. So you kind of know what you're expect what you're going to be getting, but in a different way or at least for through a different lens. And that's uh, yeah, that's the one good thing that's. The, that's going to be a fun experience, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into that uh, in a couple of weeks. Folks, again, thanks for joining us on Filmstrip. All of our episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And if you like the show, leave us a positive review. It helps other people find the show. Until next time, when we go swimming through the rat soup again, for Ron, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, continuousplaypodcast.com forward slash movies. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes and link up with us on Facebook. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. <laughs>